Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. I want to make sure I take just a moment here and greet those of you that are in our online campus. Hello, everybody. Those of you that are watching on Facebook, on YouTube, or maybe you're just listening through the podcast uh, thanks so much for tuning in today. We're so glad that you are with us. Uh, you'll find everything that you need, uh, Facebook, YouTube, the podcast, and the show notes uh, to, to join along with us, to participate today. Those of you on the campus are chatting along, and we're so glad that you're with us today. Uh, today, we are continuing in a series called Voices. And what we're doing in this series is I've invited some of my friends to come and speak into your life. These are voices of up-and-coming leaders, leaders that lead important parts of our network here in the state of Ohio. We've heard from Justin Metters, who was a church planner planting Urban Church in Columbus in 2022. We uh, last week heard from Al Yano, who is the director of the Ohio Church Multiplication Network, one of the organizations that we support financially every single month uh, to help them plant churches all across the state of Ohio. And this week, this week you're going to hear from my friend Josh Williford. Josh is the leader of, or the director, excuse me, of leader development at the Ohio Ministry Network here. And I am so excited to have him come and speak to you guys today. Please give your kind attention and open your hearts up. Get your pens and your paper out to take some good notes because you're going to want them. He's going to be a blessing to you. Here is Josh Williford. I'm beginning to talk about God. These are the words of Christ. He goes, if anyone wants to follow me, he has to deny himself. Hey, Simple Church, I am so glad to be with you. My name is Josh Williford, and I'm the Leader Development Director, as Pastor Aaron said, of the Ohio Ministry Network that you get to be a part of. And it's so great to be a part of this incredible network of over 280 churches. Uh, literally right now, uh, about 45,000 people are gathered in some form or fashion, whether it be digitally like us or in person across the state of Ohio, worshiping Jesus together as we put our shoulder behind the vision that God God has called us to, to reach Ohio for Jesus. And I'm glad that I can be a part of this service and I'm glad that we can work together, not only with Simple Church, but also with churches across Ohio to do what God has called us to do. I, I am so grateful for your pastor. What you've got to know is you have a wonderful pastor and Pastor Aaron. You've got a great team of staff here at Simple Church. I am so grateful. Uh, to be with you today, coming digitally into your homes. It's so unique to be doing this. In fact, I, I pastored a church for 10 years and I closed up my time last year. In fact, we moved last summer to Columbus to come on full time. We were in the Cleveland area uh, of Ohio. And uh, so the last time I did this, where I, I talked to, to you through a camera, uh, was several months ago. And I'm having all kinds of flashbacks over this past year. I don't know about you, it's one of those moments where you kind of ask yourself, what am I doing with my life? You ever had that question over the last year? I can imagine you have. Uh, what in the world is going on here? The quick journey, right? We started back in March 
with with just maybe this is something and then all of a sudden it did turn into something we're all going remote with schools at first it was for us where we were living it was an extended spring break that's how it all started boy this is the longest spring break i've ever known about uh, an extended spring break that turned into of course stay at home orders and uh, i remember that first that first few weeks, it was kind of the Ohio strong. We're all in this together. Uh, by about the, maybe the, the middle of April, we were kind of in this mode that says, maybe we're not in this together. Maybe this is the worst thing ever. Uh, and we all learned new hobbies. You know, you might have picked up sewing or, 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 or some woodworking hobby. I know the hobby that all of us picked up was the COVID-19, where the only store that was open was our refrigerator. And so uh, we go through that and it's challenging, it's difficult, but we, we navigate navigate through the the lack of toilet paper and all the stuff that we got going on. And then uh, we move into maybe things are open a little bit. Maybe the stay at home order is lifted. But then, of course, June hits and we have this tension in our nation, uh, this racial tension that is as high as I've ever known in my lifetime. This, this challenge and this difficulty. And, and we barely even had the bandwidth to process that before things shift again. And we're moving again into now it's August and we're wondering what to do with school. And of course, my family had moved to the Columbus here. We live in Gahanna. And, and, uh, and so we were supposed to start at, at the beginning of August and then that get moved to the end of August. We're going to be full time. No, we're going to be part time. No, just kidding. We're going to be remote. And we were remote for weeks and weeks and weeks. And finally, we're going to get to go hybrid. Nope, just kidding. Our teachers are going to go on strike. Okay, we're going to wait that out. Now we're hybrid. No, now we're back to remote. Now we're back to hybrid. Oh, now we're full time. Boy, that's a bit of a roller coaster. And I have a, a friend of mine who's a professional psychologist. He calls it a domestic interruption. I have to think that that might not be enough to describe what we have gone through. But at least with all the turmoil and all the difficulty and all the ups and downs, at least the presidential election was easy to get through. Uh, it went smooth sailing, right? Wrong. That was even more challenging. We have gone through this and this and this and this. And it feels like we're just living in that space that sometimes, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I've left myself in the place where I say, man, what, what is going on here? Where do I fit in all this? And, and as a believer, we lean even further into that question going, where do I fit in a world that seems to be so different then what I believe is right and good and just and righteous. That's an important question to be asking right now. Is how do I fit in the world that I'm in? Because guess what? God has placed you in the world. God has put you in your neighborhood. God has put you in your job. God has put you in your school. God has put you in the places and spheres of relationship he's put you in, not so that you can hunker down and, and, and twiddle your thumbs or even wring your hands wondering what to do. No, he's actually put you there on purpose. And the cool thing is, is as I look at the pages of scripture, what I find is that God has an answer to the question of what should I be up to right now? In fact, the disciples kind of entered into this kind of transitional space uh, right there at the beginning of their journey in Acts. So we're going to turn there here in just a moment. So if you have a Bible with you, Acts chapter 1, we're going to jump in here in just a moment in verse 6. But let me give you a little lead into where the disciples are, because I think that the context here is important related to the emotional roller coaster they've been on. So, so for the disciples, they start out their journey, or they, they, their most recent part of their journey 
is that Jesus has died and come back to life. Now, this is news that we are so familiar with and certainly so thankful for, but for them, they were living this thing in real time. So you can't even, I know I can't even imagine the emotions that they went through as Jesus is, is arrested and then placed on a cross and, and buried into a tomb. Can you imagine that the pain and suffering and frustration and confusion that that brought, that the grief that that brought as Jesus is someone they they trusted and they even believed that he might be the Messiah. And how can he be the Messiah if he dies? We put all three years of our life, the past three years of our life into this guy. And now he's dead. What do we do now? Only three days later, though, they go from, from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs. And, and something that's never happened before where Jesus brings himself back to life. And you can imagine the, the emotional whiplash they go through as their, their sorrow then turns to joy. And, and even that's confusing because Jesus is appearing in the middle of the room all of a sudden. And that's not normal. And so um, they, they have all of this stuff swirling inside of them. And then, of course, Jesus kind of helps them understand. In fact, the days after Jesus resurrects, Jesus spends his time unpacking for them all that had happened and, and, and what they were going to experience. And so he, he's connecting all the dots that, that were like loops that weren't closed yet. And so he's making all that work happen. And here in Acts chapter one and verse six, they're gonna ask a question that is so, makes so much sense because Jesus, uh, the way that they understood him was as the Messiah. And as the Messiah, he's a, he was going to be a political and military ruler. He was going to kick Rome out. He was going to overthrow governments. He's going to, going to avenge uh, the, the kingdom of God and establish his kingdom. And so they ask a natural question, but they get a supernatural answer. So let's take a look at it here really quickly. It says this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel. Uh, man, that question makes so much sense. In fact, it's a good question. It's a question that ultimately gets answered in the pages of scripture. If you were to flip your Bibles over to Revelation, you're gonna see Jesus do just that. He's gonna be a military leader. He's gonna engage the battle in battle against the enemy. He's gonna overthrow the kingdoms of this world. But, but that's not the question that they needed to be asking at that time. It was not the question that was most important in that moment. In fact, what Jesus is about to say is that question, friends, is above your pay grade. Here, here's what Jesus answers with. Lord, they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said, listen, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Listen, guys, that's not for you to figure out. That, that's a bit above your pay grade. That's beyond what you can do. That's within God's authority. That's within God's power. That little, that little word authority is a Greek word. It's exousia. It's one of the words that the New Testament uses for power. That's not within your power to even know. In fact, don't drive your attention there. Don't worry about how it's all going to be put together and how, how God's plan is going to be laid out. Step one, step two, step three, step four. Don't, don't put your attention there. Instead, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's this most powerful statement. In fact, it's probably my favorite verse of scripture, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now listen, his audience was very familiar with the Old Testament. This was the scripture for them. And so when they hear those words, those, the Holy Spirit will come 
upon. That's language that was used in the Old Testament with people like prophets, with people like Samson and Gideon and Moses, where the Holy Spirit would come upon them to do incredible things for God. Wait a second. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon us. The Holy Spirit only comes upon special people. Why, oh, why, oh, why would he come upon us? But the Holy Spirit's going to come upon us to, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria. Ooh, I don't want to go to Samaria. I, I don't like that place. The ends of the earth. Are you kidding me, Jesus? We've never been more than 50 miles from our hometown. What are you talking about? The ends of the earth. And before they can even ask a question, before they can re offer a rebuttal to Jesus, something happens that, that forever changes their life. In verse 9 of Acts chapter 1, it says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, time out for one second here. I, I want you to, to realize that what we just read is not some, some fairy tale that we tell children. This actually happened. Jesus says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And before they could ask a question, Jesus, like Peter Pan, David Blaine's off the ground and into the sky to the point that they're, they're, they're looking up into the heavens. Their mouth are probably on the ground. And they don't even realize that angels had showed up in front of them. H how big of a deal is it that something happens in your life and the, that, that, that angels appearing in front of you is not the craziest thing that happened in your day? That is insane. But that's exactly what happened with these disciples. In fact, the angels look at them and uh, as they're staring, as the Bible says in verse 10, it says they were gazing into heaven as he went. Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? You want, you want to translate a version? Oh, you know, shut your mouths and stop drooling because that seems like what you're doing right now. Why are you gazing into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I've never, I spent years not knowing exactly what to do with this passage of scripture. It was sort of a transitional moment where, okay, I guess Jesus is lifting into the sky now. What, what's that? What's going on with that? In fact, one of the things that's kind of unique about this is that this is the moment when Jesus kind of leaves the earth um, until he returns someday soon, right? So this is a big moment. And I have often wondered, why did Jesus do it this way? I mean, Jesus had appeared and disappeared in front of them. He could have done it any number of ways, but he chooses. And Jesus never, never is purposeless. He chooses to, to lift up into heaven in a very particular way. I remember doing some study and it clicked for me one day that this was not the first time that it ever happened in history. And Jesus is doing something here that is so purposeful that as he lifts into heaven, he's actually giving his disciples, his, his, his church that is gathered on the side of this hill to watch this, this thing take place and has just heard that they're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit would come upon them. He's giving them an object lesson to help them understand exactly what's about to take place for them. And so for them, 
their brains went back to 2 Kings chapter 2. And so today, I want to journey back in the Old Testament so that we can understand in the same way the disciples did what Jesus was trying to communicate because he wasn't just trying to communicate with them. He's trying to share this with us as well. So why don't we flip back to 2 Kings chapter 2. In 2 Kings chapter 2, what we're going to find are two uh, two specific characters. Really, we have three, three characters in this story. We're going to have Elijah, who is a prophet. In fact, he's like the prophet. When people think about, about, about who is the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, the, the, the first century believers, the first century world that Jesus lived in would have said, ah, oh, that's Elijah. In fact, you get kind of a key in on this in, in um, Matthew chapter 16 when they say, Jesus, who do you say, Jesus, who do, you, who do people say that I am? They said, ah, oh, you're Elijah who's come back to life. That's That's because he was the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. So Elijah has this protege. He has this disciple named Elisha. And Elisha is following Elijah everywhere. But there's this sense, as we're going to see in just a moment, that that Elisha knows, that Elijah knows, and even the people around them know that Elijah is about to be taken away. In fact, there's this third party that we're going to meet, which is the school of the prophets. And the school of prophets is a group of folks who are gonna be kind of a weird third party. So let's, let's dive in to this particular account. In 2 Kings chapter two, it says this, Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets, here's that crew that's kind of weird, they uh, who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you not know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, yes, I know, keep quiet. This may be one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible where he says, yes, I know, basically, here's the translation, shut up and leave me alone. That's that's what, what Elisha says here. We're going to hear that a couple of times. Verse 4, it says, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, do you not know that the day The Lord will take away your master from over you. And he said, yes, I know. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here. For the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. Of course, Elisha says again, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Now, I want to get you a picture of the scene here really quick because I think it's really important. So you have Elijah and Elisha approaching the Jordan River. And if you know anything about the Bible, what you, you know is that the Jordan River is the location of so many critically important things in the life of the people of God. God has done some absolutely bonkers stuff at this crossroads, this river, across the the journey of God's story. Part of the waters for Joshua to enter into the promised land. Of course, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. So many different intersections at this important location. They find themselves, Elijah and Elisha, facing up against this mighty river. 
And then there's these other guys who have come along, the sons of the prophets, 50 of them, who have come along just to see what's about to go down. They are gawking on the other side of the river. So I want you to imagine this scene for just a moment. Elijah and Elisha, and then somewhere in the bushes are the sons of the prophets over being weird, creeping on what's about to happen, okay? So here's what's going to take place. Verse 8 says that Elijah took his cloak, which it was like this mantle, this, 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 uh, this garb that the, uh, the prophet would wear. It was very d- distinguishing. In fact, they, they would know they were a prophet from a, a little ways away. And it was, it was the mantle. It was, it was a symbol of the Holy Spirit's anointing that was on the prophet. So they, he takes his, his cloak and he rolls it up and he struck the water. And check this out. The water parted from one side to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. I want you to lean in here and listen to what Elisha asked for. Elisha says, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Check this out, a double portion of your spirit. Now listen, I grew up in, in churches, uh, a church all my life and in a Pentecostal church and I heard this sermon preached so many times. I, I don't just want part of what you've got, I want twice as much as what you've got. And there's a sense in which that's an okay prayer to pray. It's never wrong, hear, hear me today, it's never wrong to pray the prayer that says, God give me more than what I've got today. But that's not exactly what Elisha is asking for. See, in an ancient Near Eastern uh, time, which is what, what this was, in ancient Near East, what would take place um, is that when a patriarch, a family leader, would pass away, uh, they would have to divide up their estate. And see, the, the patriarch has this responsibility. He's not just the, the dad who sits in the rocking chair at the end of the, in, in the family room. No, he's the caregiver, the protector, the provider. He's the one who carries on the family legacy and, and does the important work of leading the family uh, to, to prosperity and, and wholeness and, and, and vitality. He's important. And so that transition from, from one family leader to the next family leader, Leader is critically important. And so there would be a, a division of the estate and the eldest son would get two thirds or the double portion of the estate. And the, the rest of the sons would get the one third. So, so each, each uh, individual would get their portion, but, the, but the, the eldest son would get the double portion. And so what Elisha is asking from Elijah is that he would be, be able to get Elisha or Elijah's inheritance. What he's asking is, let me have what you've got so I can continue the work that you have been doing. So Elijah says to him, you have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so. But if you don't, it shall not be so. So they went on a little further and they talked. Behold, chariots of fire and horses separated the two of them and Elisha, or Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw him no more. He's so overwhelmed by this experience that he took hold of his clothes and tore them into pieces. It's this, this ancient way of saying, I, I just don't know what to do with myself right now. 
feels turned upside down. He's not sure what's next. And then he notices something. Verse 13 says that the, the cloak of Elijah, remember, remember that mantle that was on him? Remember that, that, that the outer cloak that distinguished him as a prophet and represented the anointing of God, the presence of God? That had fallen from Elijah to the ground. Something powerful is about to take place. The Bible says that he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Now, you can imagine what, what's rolling through Elisha's mind. He didn't just go back to the bank of the Jordan just because that's a nice spot to picnic that day. He went back to the bank of the Jordan because with this cloak because he's thinking in his mind, remember what I asked for? Remember what I asked for? Is the power of God that Elijah had, the inheritance of God, the, the, the deposit of God that, that, that Elijah had. I asked for that so that I can continue the work that Elijah had been doing. And so he took that cloak. And you can imagine what he's wondering. What will happen if I struck this water? What will happen if, if, I, if I were to, to take this, this, this mantle and, and strike the wood it part? No doubt at the same time, he's wondering what happens if it doesn't. You see, because remember the scene here? Remember the, the situation here? The situation is that he's got, he's got these guys across the river that are watching this take place. He's got people on the other side who are, who are waiting to see what will take place. And I, I have to believe, I can't say that this is true for Elisha, but if it was me, what, what I would be wondering is what happens if it doesn't part? I mean, it's one thing if I was out here by myself, but I've got an audience. What, if, what, if, what would they say if it didn't part? And I wonder how many times in my life that God has placed some kind of anointing in my hands. He's placed some kind of giftedness in my hands. He's placed some kind of calling in my hands. And I've held on to that calling and I've held on to that giftedness. And I've not struck down on the water because I was worried about what someone else will think. We live in a society where people are just standing at the ready to point out if it doesn't work. And the reason I know that it's because I have a Facebook account. I know there are people all over your life and mine who are out there saying, what if this doesn't work? Uh, I told you so. He wasn't ready. He didn't know. He wasn't prepared. He wasn't good enough. And those, those, those lies in the enemy and those things that are turning around often stop us from doing what God has called us to do and walking into the, the, the mantle and putting on the mantle that God has given to us. And thankfully, the story does not end here. Thankfully, Elisha musters up the Holy Spirit courage to take that cloak. And the Bible says that he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water and says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, the waters parted from one side to the other and Elisha went over. Verse 15 tells us that when the sons of the prophets, the folks who were standing on the sideline, at Jericho, saw him opposite them. They said, the spirit of Elijah rest upon Elisha. Jesus, of course, is on the side of a hill with his disciples. On the side of a hill, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the Holy Spirit descends 
they are upon you. To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus does the one thing that would help them understand the exact situation that they were in, that he is the best version of Elijah, and he is passing off his inheritance to his disciples so that through the, through the Spirit's power, they will be able to do the work that Jesus had started. They'll be able to continue on the work of Jesus in the world that was around them. And let me tell you today that the Spirit of God, the same, the same Spirit of God that Jesus promised to those disciples today, Jesus promises to you. You may be standing there with calling in your life. You may be standing there with purpose placed upon you, a giftedness, something that God's placed down deep inside of you. Maybe it's a a dream to do something big for Jesus. And you're standing there holding it, wondering, oh, oh God, what, what would you want me to do? Let me tell you this morning, strike the water. Take that step. D believe that God has called you to this and he will equip you for that calling. That mantle has fallen from the sky. In our case, it's not a mantle that we can pick up and hold. It's something far more valuable than that. It's the, the power of the Holy Spirit. The disciples, uh, if it was me, I, I probably would have organized, you know, the immediate evangelistic uh, outreach, right? We're going to go out right now. I mean, Jesus has just told us we're going to be witnesses. We've got resurrection behind us. We've seen Jesus come back from the dead. He's told us all this cool stuff about the Bible. He's given us this great commission to go into the world and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, this message of Jesus Christ. Let's get out there now. But that's not what the disciples did. What did they do? They followed Jesus' instruction. And they waited for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. In those few days, uh, those 10 days between this moment and the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, what did they do? Well, I think they did the thing that we need to do today. They prayed. The first step that we ever take when we pray, in fact, I, I know I, I've talked to Pastor Aaron a little bit. It's, it's pray first, right? That's a simple church thing. We, we pray first. That's what they did. Before they planned, before they strategized, before they laid out the ministry, uh, steps one, two, and three. No, no, they didn't do any of that. They didn't, they didn't get their, their, their advertising ready. They didn't get their, their promotional posters printed. They did the thing that actually matters. And they leaned into Jesus. And they prayed and they sought the Lord and they waited for the mantle to fall. And that's exactly what took place. The Holy Spirit came upon all who were there and transformed their lives, filled them and baptized them with the Spirit so that when they came out of that upper room, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that, that Peter stood up. And the results of that, that powerful moment when Peter struck the water was that 3,000 people were added to the church that day. See, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. This is what happens when we lean in. This is what happens when Jesus touches our life. We can do things that far exceed what we could ever do on our own, in our own strength, when we, we wait for the Holy Spirit. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray right there in your living room. But before we do that, you may be watching here today and you, you say, Josh, I, 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 my heart is inspired my heart is moved. I don't know how I could ever do that. In fact, I would say, if you may be sitting there in your living room today going, I don't even know that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You talk about accomplishing the dreams of Jesus. Man, I don't even know what Jesus is all about. So let me give you just a snapshot of why Jesus would give 
the Holy Spirit's power to those who follow him so that everyone could know about what Jesus did. So let me tell you about what Jesus did. God of creation, the one who spun everything into his existence with a spoken word, realized that humanity had separated themselves from God because they had chosen to, to run an opposition to the order and plan of God. They, they sinned against God. That's the word that the Bible will use. It's like, like breaking one of God's laws and that, 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 that law of fracture and fraction means that, that, uh, uh, that, that God, um, that a consequence comes. And so as a result, that consequence means separation from God. But God loves us so much that, that he wasn't willing for that, 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 that fracture to happen. He wasn't willing for that separation for it to happen. And so he actually left heaven and, and came in the flesh through Jesus Christ. God incarnate, lived a sinless life, provided an entirely new pathway so that we could have access to a relationship with God. He, he dies on a cross, a, a physical death for sure, but certainly representative of the spiritual death that we were, that was headed toward us. But Jesus took that on for us and he came back to life by raising from the dead so that we could know that he's conquered our death, our sin, and our brokenness. And he's made a pathway for us to have a relationship with Christ restored. And the coolest thing about this is, is it doesn't cost us anything. In fact, there's nothing we could ever do to earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't be smart enough. You can't be pretty enough. You can't be handsome enough. You can't be athletic enough. There's no amount of money. You can't earn this. This is a gift called grace. And so Jesus Christ offers this to you today. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I give you my life. I gotta give you my heart. I give you, give you every part of me and I choose to follow you today. So in just a moment, in just a moment, we're going to pray together. And I'm going to invite you to take that first step to where you take that step and say, Jesus, I know I need you in my life. I know I need you to forgive me of my sins and, and turn me away from my brokenness. God, I, I, I put my life in your hands. That's all you have to do today. And when I pray together in just a moment, in your own way, and your own words, begin to give your heart and life to Christ. After I pray, uh, Pastor Aaron will give you some next steps on what you need to do to get your life on track and get plugged into the church here and the church family here at Simple Church. Now, as we pray, maybe for you, you're gonna respond to that moment where you just need to say, I'm gonna give you my life, Jesus. Maybe um, you, you're in the place where you say, you know what, Jesus, I need you to fill me with your spirit. Jesus, I need you to, to fill me up so that you can put dreams and, and visions and, and giftedness inside of me. Jesus, I, I believe you called me. Maybe you're in a totally different crowd that says, you know what, I've been holding on to that thing. I've been holding on to the mantle because I've been so afraid about what people are gonna say, but now what you need to say is, Jesus, okay, I'm striking the ground. Jesus, I, I'm gonna go. Because here's what I know, as we pray this kind of prayer, as we open up our heart, Jesus is faithful to respond, to fill us with his spirit so that we can do what he's called us to do, to continue the work of Jesus all throughout our world, all throughout our region, all throughout the city, to see Jesus lifted up high. Why don't we pray together? Jesus, I thank you for the Simple Church family. God, I, I ask that you would invade into uh, family rooms and uh, living rooms across this area. God, would you, you speak to hearts? God, I pray for those who today, right now, they're making the most important decision of their life when they say yes to you, that they're turning away from their sinfulness. They're turning away from the stuff that's broken them and, and caused them to be, to be separated from you. They're turning away from that so they can turn to you. 
God, I pray that you would give them faith and courage today, Lord, to know that this is the moment where their life changes. God, I pray that they would feel the sense that they're made new right now because that's what your word says. Your word says that you come and you, you make us into a new creation. The old things pass away and, the old, and behold, all things are new. God, I pray that they would feel that sense of transformation all over. And God, give them the courage to place their life into your hands so that you become the leader of their life. God, I pray for those who right now are in their living rooms and they're praying the earnest and powerful prayer that you would come and empower them with your spirit, that you would come and fill them and baptize them with your spirit so that they can do the work that you've called them to do. God, I pray that there would be a Holy Spirit visitation in those homes. God, that you would invade their space and the presence of God would fill wherever they are, God. I pray for families to experience this together so the power of God would be made known in their hearts. God, I pray for those who, who maybe been holding on to the mantle a little bit. Maybe they've been afraid. Their own insecurities or maybe the words of others have helped them or have caused them to stay, stay back and not walk into what you've called them to do. God, I pray for, for them, Lord, that you would give them that spirit Holy Spirit boldness, that they'd be able to walk in and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm gonna strike the ground. I'm gonna take that first step. I'm gonna step out in faith and I'm gonna do what you've called me to do, not in my own strength and not for my own glory, but because you have called me to help bring about the message of Jesus in the world, the kingdom of God in the world. God, I pray for this whole Simple Church family, Lord, God, that you would continue to anoint them, be with them, guide them, and direct them, Lord, by your Spirit's power, not in their own strength and own ability, but according to your ability, and your good purpose. God, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time. Hey, if you made a commitment to say yes to Jesus today, or even just a commitment to take your next step, here's my encouragement to you. You just made an awesome decision. Make the next best awesome decision you can make today by clicking on our digital connect card. If you're in our campus, it says that clearly in our campus on the screen. If you're watching anywhere else or listening through a podcast, look in the show notes or the description of the video and you'll find our digital connect card. Let us know that you made that decision to say yes to Jesus or a decision to take your next step. We're so excited to partner with you, to welcome you into the family, to help you walk out your spiritual journey here at Simple Church. So if you'll fill out that Connect card, that gives us an opportunity to do that. And we would love for you to participate that way. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us today. As we wrap up, here's an opportunity for you to give. Thank you so much for your generosity. Like I said, we are helping church planners all across the state of Ohio, all across the country, and missionaries around the world. A percentage of your giving goes back out to support the work of, of the ministry all around the globe. And we thank you for your faithfulness in that. You can use all the methods here on the screen to do that text to give, use our app, go online or mail it in, a check in through the uh, through the snail mail, that's up to you. But to thank you so much for giving. Also, man, if, you, if you're, uh, got a story to share, if you've got something that God is doing in your life, a step of faith that you have taken, use our digital connect card. Click on that story button and that sends an email directly to me. It'll be an incredible encouragement to me to know that you're taking steps of faith and I would love to celebrate that story with you. So give me an opportunity to connect with you and what God is doing in your life. Amen, everybody. Share your story. Thank you for giving. Thank you for making a commitment and for being here with us today. We'll see you guys back here, right here next week as we begin a brand new series. Love you guys.